Hi there, I'm Jake Humphrey and you're listening to High Performance, our gift to you for free every single week. This podcast reminds you that it's within your ambition, your purpose, your story. It's within you. We just help you unlock it by turning the lived experiences of the planet's highest performers into your life lessons. So right now, allow myself and Professor Damien Hughes to speak to the greatest leaders, thinkers, sports stars and entrepreneurs on the planet so they can be your teacher. And please remember, this podcast is not about high achievement. It's not about high success. It's about high self-worth. It's about high happiness. And it's about taking you closer to a life of fulfillment, of empathy and of understanding. Today, this awaits you. So as I grew up, the major themes that played out was racism, violence. We even had kidnappers in our area, severe poverty. There were some days that my mum struggled to put food on the table. And it wasn't until I was a teenager and I just, I just looked around and I just thought, you know what, I, I can't accept this reality. This can't be what life has in store for me. There must be more to it. My two sisters, my eldest would have been nine and the middle sister would have been seven at the time. And there was two guys pulling their hair, other guys pulling my mum's hair and my aunt's hair. And then my uncle with the nose full of blood um, and a gun to his head. We go about our lives believing that happiness will come when our desires are met. But this is what actually happens. You have a desire, you meet that desire, the feeling of happiness goes almost instantly, and then you're on to the next thing. I go to bed at night every single day happy because I live in line with my values. Man, I've waited so long, so long to get Vex King on the High Performance Podcast. And I was so pleased and just delighted and pretty humbled when he agreed to join us on stage in London for one of our live nights. So we went on tour a few months ago and Vex joined us for the date at the O2. Um, Before I go any further, can I also just say a big thanks as well to the team at Plio because um, basically... (laughs) tours are expensive so it was really good that plio helped us out and sponsored the tour um and i just wanted to let you know that if you um run a business and you've ever had that kind of end of monthly expenses report dread then plio has changed the way that high performing teams including ours manage the spending it's the go-to spend management tool when it comes to looking after all of your business expenses, your invoice payments, your accounting, your expenses reporting. You can issue cards to your team so your team can do their best work, but your finance team will still get full overview of all of their spending and things. So if you want more information, just go to pleo.io to get started. I really recommend it. That's P-L-E-O dot I-O. So anyway... I spoke to Vex um, on Instagram and when he said he would come on the tour, I was amazed because I've been following him for a long time um, on Instagram. I'd read his book, Good Vibes, Good Life, which I thought was fantastic. And I remember actually Jesse Lingard signing for West Ham on loan from Man United. And he was just playing with a freedom and a confidence and a self-belief and a kind, he just kind of seemed grounded, you know. And I remember him being interviewed after a game and the reporter said, like, what's going on? And he actually, he actually mentioned Vex. He said, I've read Vex King's book, Good Vibes, Good Life. He's been helping me. And, um, and that was one of the reasons for Jesse Lingard uh, to perform so well at West Ham. And I often think that if someone can reach someone who's performing at the absolute top of the game like that, then their advice can be really helpful for all of us. And this conversation with Vex is absolutely packed full of wisdom. It's another conversation that will remind you that... People who go on to do great things or spread great messages have often felt pain to get to that point. And Vex will talk um, about bereavement. He will talk about being subjected to racism. He will talk about a really difficult upbringing. But he will also remind you that life is about how you deal with those bad things. It's 95% how you deal with the things. And it's only 5% the things that really happen to you. And we've heard this message time and time again on High Performance. And I know you're going to get so much from today. So once again, I cannot thank you enough for coming to the High Performance Podcast. And it's not about the numbers. It's about the impact. Please, 
ping me a message on Instagram after this. I'd love to know what you've made of this conversation with Vex King. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, next week, I'll share some of those comments on the podcast. But let's get to it. It's time to get you closer to your own version of high performance. It's time for today's podcast. It comes next. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Oh, mate. Sorry. Well, Vex, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, Vex, what is high performance? Good question. Um, I think, to me, high performance is consistently delivering high-value, skillful, impactful energy with whatever resources you have. And I say this as a writer... Because if someone tried to evaluate whether I was performing highly, they might look at how many words I write a day. They might look at my book sales. They might even look at how many likes I get on a certain Instagram post. And I think that's quite misleading because I could be churning out words that are meaningless. I could be spending loads on marketing to push my book sales, providing I have the financial resources, um, and I could just be really popular on social media. So for me, high performance is more about maintaining excellence within rather than using the external metrics we use to measure those efforts. Wow. I mean, what a first answer, by the way. Um, what I'm interested there, then, is how you manage to have the mental fortitude to know that you're doing the right thing, to know that you're giving your best and you're doing what you can with what you've got where you are right now. Because there'll be people in this room who only look at the external validation that the world gives them. When they don't get the validation, they dip. When they get it, they rise. So how do you centre yourself? How do you keep that? I think for me, everything I do has to align with my values. And I think that's really important. Whatever you do, to be honest, because... When you go against your values, you're going against the grain. And a lot of the time, we go against our values because we desire happiness from a certain outcome. I'll give you an example, actually. After my, the release of my first book, Good Vibes, Good Life, I think a lot of people didn't expect it to do as well as it did. And all of a sudden, I'm getting offers from loads of companies saying, we want you to do this, we want you to do that. We want to offer you, and I'm going to be really transparent here because I have a mailing list and I send out one email every week. It's a newsletter. And I believe in sending out high-value content. And that particular platform said, Vex, we'd love to see you post twice a week. And if you post twice a week we will offer you. And they offered me a massive sum of money. And I was just like, that's such a you know, big amount of money. 
I should be saying yes, but something didn't feel right because I knew I couldn't create that much content. And if I did, I wouldn't be adding as much value to the world. So I simply turned it down and I didn't regret that decision. I go to bed at night every single day happy because I live in line with my values. And my three core values are authenticity and integrity. So do things that align with my truth to be kind, and also to empower people. And I stick by them in every decision that I make. Beautiful. Which is brilliant. And I think it's a fascinating description of where you are now, Vax. Would you tell us a little bit, though, about your origin story, about some of the challenges and the difficulties you've experienced in life? I suppose I'll start with my childhood, I think. So I think that's really important to just set the scene. When I was six months old, my dad passed away. My mum was still kind of navigating the world. She was still learning the English language, but she had three kids. And of course, I was the youngest. My mum's family business then, that was with a, or an abusive family member, went bankrupt. A few years later, we were homeless. And when I say homeless, I mean technically without a home, but we were moving around. We were staying at hostels, hotels, and with different families. Was this your mother and your and the three of you? Yes, the three of us. Uh, well, the four of us all together. And um, some of the, those encounters were extremely horrific. I mean, they were just like really creepy places, lots of violence, lots of things I probably shouldn't have been exposed to at a young age. But the thing is, even when I was living with my uncle, so my uncle had a shop and he used to live above it. And I remember being upstairs once and my mum suddenly ran down the stairs so you could access the shop floor directly from, uh, from the house upstairs. And all I heard was screaming and shouting. So I got to the top of the stairs because I had a direct view of the shop floor. And how old were you, Vax, for contact? <sighs> so I think I was around five years old. And it's weird when people say, what, you remember that from you know, such a young age, but when there's so many, you know, high energy emotions there, it's kind of hard to forget those, those things. And what I saw, and I still remember it, I mean, it's quite blurry, but I still remember it. I saw a few guys taking fosters out one of the fridges, yeah, because they were robbing the place. My two sisters, so we've all got a two-year age gap, so my eldest would have been nine, and the middle sister would have been seven at the time, and there was two guys pulling their hair, other guys pulling my mum's hair and my aunt's hair, and then my uncle with the nose full of blood um, and a gun to his head. I'm looking at this, and I'm, I'm angry, but I'm scared, and I think anger is our defence against pain. Um, and I want to do something, but I don't know what I can do. So I head down towards the stairs with my fists clenched. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. And then my mum sees me from the corner of her eye, and a mother's instinct is to protect her child. So she runs across, and she's just like, stay there, don't move. And I go back up, and I'm like... I just don't know what I just, I just witnessed. And thankfully, my uncle and my family were okay after that. But I just felt like after that moment, I was always on high alert. Eventually, my family and I found a council home. And that, to us, felt like the lottery. Like, finally, we've got somewhere that we can belong, somewhere that's ours. And when we moved to that area... What we didn't really realise was that no one wanted us there. I literally stepped... I remember the first time I just wanted to play with my ball. I stepped outside on our front lawn, just kicking the ball about. And literally, I think it was around... Well, it started with two kids, and then it literally got to like 10 to 15 kids. And they were all shouting racist remarks, saying, go back to your own country. You don't belong here. And I'm already on high alert. And that fear just seemed to perpetuate with every experience that I had. Even our neighbours, so the, the house next to us, I don't know how many people actually in total lived there, but I think there was around 
five to ten teenagers in that house, and every night they would get drunk. And when you've had a lot to drink, you become really honest. And what they would do is at about two or three a.m. they'd come knocking on our door again, telling us that we don't belong here. We need to get out. And the thing is, this this trauma that kind of brewed from these experiences. The reason why it was so intense. So there was one point we were trying to get rid of this old washing machine, and we left it on our front lawn. And our neighbours put fireworks in that washing machine. And in the middle of the night, I hear explosions, and I don't know what that is. I'm just like someone trying to like bomb us. I don't know what that is, but it's terrifying. You know, I had to go sleep with in my mum's bed, and she was holding me tight. And I remember her her heart beating really, really fast. But even my heart was beating really, really fast. And she'll be like,、oh, "It's okay, it's okay." But as a child, although I couldn't rationalise that experience, I knew that the pace of her heart was telling me that she was scared.、Mm. So as I grew up, the major themes that played out was racism. Violence. We even had kidnappers in our area. Severe poverty. There were some days that my mum struggled to put food on the table, and it wasn't until I was a teenager and I just I just looked around and I just thought, you know what? I I can't accept this reality. This can't be what life has in store for me. There must be more to it. Like, why does someone so get to live a life like this? Why all the kids have? Well, why do they have, you know, designer clothes? Like, why do I have to wear these trainers and make good use of them for the whole year, even though they're completely shattered? And I said to myself, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna change our life around. I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna do something. And when I was around 14 or 15, I really made use of the internet. <laughs> Um, remember being on 56k dial-up, and took a while for a, a page to load. But I used to be really into music, so I love. I'm a big kind of R&B, hip-hop fan, and I used to go on rap music forums. And I was also drawn to like philosophy,、uh, neuroscience, all that kind of stuff. And there was a section on one of these forums, and they would talk about deeper topics or deeper life topics. And in that forum, people were talking about a particular book that had changed their lives and loads of people's lives. I thought, wow, like I'm not really a reader, and that sounds really weird coming from someone that's probably read over a thousand personal development books, spirituality books, psychology books, or whatever. And、um, the book was called "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill. And I thought I need to get this book, but of course I didn't have money, so I did what everyone did during that time: is I downloaded it on LimeWire, <laughs> along with a lot of viruses. <laughs>、um, but that book some re- knowing laughs in the audience <laughs> at that point. <laughs> but that book really changed my perception, and it really gave me hope. And I used to be really be into martial arts as well. And I, I heard that Bruce Lee read that book, and it changed his life. And I was just like, "Well, if Bruce Lee's read it, I should read that book as well." Before we come on and talk about the change that occurred in your life, what, one of our favourite questions is to ask about the ghost of your childhoods that still rattle around in your adult bodies. Now, some of those traumatic and horrific experiences you've been through, what lessons did they teach you then that we would still find in Vex today? One of the biggest lessons is always for me is to, I suppose, remembering where I came from. My wife and I went to Bali for our honeymoon, and、um, we did a. I don't know if anyone's been Bali before, but you can do cooking classes there, and I highly recommend them because they're such a joy to participate in. And we did it with a, a local Balinese woman, and we went to her home. And、um, I noticed that the stairs were really steep. And I think I just said it out loud: "That、like, wow, those stairs are really, really steep." And she turned to me, or to the whole group, and she said, "There's actually a meaning behind that." I was like,、oh, "Okay." And she said, "The stairs are there to remind you that when you're working towards the top, or when you want to get to the top." 
you're going to meet resistance, you're going to meet challenges. But once you get to the top, the only way is down. So you have to be humble when you're there. And I think I carry that into my life today. I didn't always, but I think I do. Because even with everything that's happening with my career or just with like social media, it doesn't really faze me as much because I always think, like, what's the point being in this position right now if I can't help that young Vex? Because there's so many other people in that position. There's so many other people suffering. There's so many other people going through trauma. There's so many other people in positions that feel powerless. And if I've got this platform now, what can I do to make a difference? So I always remember that, that young, young kid. One of the things I've seen often on your amazing posts on Instagram, if you don't follow Vex, you really should. I'm sure you will after tonight um, and in the book as well. You talk about happiness being a choice. Now, let's be totally frank. A lot of people struggle with happiness as a choice because they say, well, how can I be happy because my kid's ill? How can I be happy because I've lost my job? How can I be happy we're in a global pandemic? It's a hard one for people to grasp. Why is it so important for people to understand that this fundamental philosophy of happiness is a choice and how do you get them to that place? I think it's understandable if people find it difficult to listen to that phrase, happiness is a choice, and think, actually, no, this is happening in my life. And I can't be happy. I completely get that. What I found from experience is that we always think that happiness is this destination, right? We go about our lives believing that happiness will come when our desires are met. But this is what actually happens. You have a desire, you meet that desire, the feeling of happiness goes almost instantly and then you're on to the next thing and then you're on to the next thing. You want to get the new iPhone because you think that's going to bring you happiness and then the new iPhone comes out, you get that happiness, the novelty wears off and now you're on to the, the new model or something else. That's basically saying that happiness can never exist where you are. It has to exist somewhere in the future. And I think if we live our lives in that particular way, then we're going to go through our entire life never actually understanding what happiness is. We're going to con consistently chase happiness, but never actually find happiness because our desires are always going to change because we always change because change is the only constant in life. So I think happiness is a choice basically reminds us that actually we have the power to access happiness at any given mo moment. And that's by either changing our perception of what's in front of us or making a choice to change something in our lives that will contribute to our happiness. And that's why I believe that happiness can be a choice. So take us back then to when you're 15 years old, you're on the internet, you're, you're, you're reading Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. What choice did you make then to be happy at that moment? To be honest, the change really came from the pain of what I was experiencing. I think Tony Robbins says it, that when the, the pain of change is lesser than the pain of staying the same, it drives action. It provides motivation. And I think at that particular point, my life was so unbearable that I knew I had to make some sort of change. So I went to the book. I was actively seeking, so I was actively making a choice to read something that could potentially better my life because the life in front of me was so undesirable. All I'd ever met was pain. And I think that's what really motivated that particular action at the time. And even when I was reading the book, I don't necessarily think the book brought me happiness or you know, sustained happiness as such. But it just gave me an ounce of faith. And I think sometimes that's all you need, that actually there is better out there. And then what I did with the internet is I started reading success stories. I think everyone loves the good success stories. And I was really into sports. So, I, you know, I would read Michael Jordan's success story. And I remember him being cut from his high school team. And then him not winning a championship for seven years. 
And then even when he came back in 1995, people said he was finished. But then he went and did the unthinkable. And I think everyone's got failure or story that signifies failure in their lives. And a lot of people have gone through hardships. And another thing is, is that I realized that although my life looked a certain way, there was people with realities that I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't empathize with those realities just because I'd never been in those positions. What do you mean, for example? I think what we're seeing on the news is, is, a, is a good example. I actually got a DM recently and someone said to me, you're, you know, I really look up to your positivity. You're such an inspirational, motivational guy. My friend is in Ukraine at the moment. She can't go back home because uh, a bridge has been burnt down and she's you know, living in kind of like a, I think a, a, a tube station or underground and she really needs some positivity. Can you send her a message? And I was thinking, like, what can I say at this particular point to, to, to support her? Because it is so hard because... Although I can show compassion, I think it's extremely hard to show organic empathy when you haven't lived through that particular experience. So for me, I just thought, I don't really know what the answer is right now. Like, think positive. Like, that sounds dismissive, I think, in that particular scenario. Like, you'll get through it. Again, it sounds very, very ignorant. So I think a lot of the times... We fail to empathize with certain realities because they're so far from what we've seen or experienced or observed. And there's a whole other world out there. And when I was reading these success stories, what I realized that there was a lot of people who'd done tremendous things with their lives, but came from a reality that I subjectively assessed as much worse than mine. And I thought, if well, if they could do something with their lives, then what makes me different? So take that sentence that you said that you appreciate saying to somebody that's having to hunker underground from bombs in a situation like that Ukrainian uh, situation you described. And you might say, be positive, and it can come across as crass. But one of the brilliant, simple mantras that you do say is that a positive mindset leads to a positive life. So would you sort of go into a little bit of the science to explain why that might sound like a great meme or a social media post, but is actually rooted in pretty robust science? Yeah, so a positive mind gives you a positive life. I think some people read that or see that and think actually that, I don't know, that sounds a bit fluffy to me. Um, but our minds, we have a negativity bias in our minds. We accept negative ideas more easily. I think that's why bad news spreads faster than good news. We also filter down and hang on to the negative things. I think that's very apparent on social media. You might get 100 positive comments, you get the one negative comment, and that seems to stick, and you just can't stop thinking about it, and you completely dismiss all the positive comments that you got. But the other cool thing is, is that we have something called a confirmation bias, And that means we will actively go out and seek evidence or things that support the beliefs that we already hold. So I think if you're already thinking in a positive way, then you're actively going to go out and see more positivity because you're unconsciously seeking those things. And I think that's what that saying essentially means, is that a positive mind gives you a positive life because you're going to deem your life to be more positive just due to the structure of our, our brains. So give us an example from your world of when you started to adopt this mindset. What started to happen for you? People always ask me this one question, is where do I start? And I think it can be quite difficult. I think lifestyle makes a massive impact, like the habits we cultivate. But one of the most simple things to living or adopting a positive mindset, I think, is, is just reframing. If I said to both of you, what sounds better to you, that you have a 10% chance of passing or a 90% chance of failing, which one elicits more Know, favorable feelings which ones which one of those statements makes you feel oh, better 10 percent chance of passing yeah yeah and i think soon as you reframe a certain message a certain situation the feelings the interpretation that you have completely changes as well 
And when it changes our emotional state, because now we're thinking of it in a different way, we're more likely to take actions that support the outcome that we desire. So in terms of positive thinking, the more you practice that, the more you repeat it, the more it becomes ingrained in you. You suddenly condition yourself to naturally go that way. But one thing that's really, really important, because I think the idea of positive thinking is that you should never have a negative thought, and that's never going to happen. We're always going to have certain thoughts that pop up. And even if you're considered to be quite a positive person, those, those negative thoughts will come. But what will happen is that you'll be able to respond to them in a more empowering way rather than just reacting to them based on impulse. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm really interested to talk about this. Um, one of Harriet's famous phrases is, I'm worried I haven't worried enough. <laughs> and she will often talk about the fear of the future or the things that are going wrong or the, the worries. I mean, at the moment, we're hoping to go on holiday, so the big worry at the moment is what if we have a positive COVID test before we go away? Well, there's nothing any of us can do about that, but some people feel if they worry about it, then it may well solve the problem. How do we go about reframing our view of the world long-term so that we try and replace these negative thought processes with with positive ones because there will be people in here who i believe have come to the high performance podcast purely because of the negative thoughts in their head because we get dms on instagram from those people every single day i think for me one of the most important things that i do is to come almost like a internal dialogue is that with any situation that happens i look at it and i say to myself what can i change and what can i control and if I can't change anything, and I can't control anything, the only other option I have is to accept it. And that's literally all you can do. And can you, tr- can you train your brain to do that? I think if you do it enough, you can condition that into you. Um, I think it becomes easier with practice, as with any skill. Um, but the other thing I would say is that if you're feeling a negative thought or a negative emotion... Because a lot of the time we try and get rid of it. Actually, can I, if you don't mind, can I just do a, a little exercise with the audience, if you don't mind? Right. I want everyone to close their eyes, if they can, please. And then, just for a moment, I want you all to think of a white polar bear, okay? Nothing else, only a white polar bear. So not what you had for dinner, not your plans for tomorrow, but only a white polar bear. Okay, now open your eyes. How many of you are successfully able to think of a white polar bear? Just raise your hands if you are. Okay, the majority. It seems a couple, like of, couple of worrying of hands not going <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> okay, so now I want you to close your eyes again. And I want you to think of anything in the world, okay, anything, but do not think of a white polar bear, okay? This is really (laughs) important. Do not think of the white polar bear. Just going to give you a moment. Okay, now open your eyes. (laughs) Right, raise your hands if you thought of a white polar bear, even though I told you not to think of a white polar bear. <laughs> okay, and this is based on a study that I think it, I think it was a Harvard professor did, called Daniel Wegner, I think. He did it in the 1980s. And in his actual experiment, he got people to do the same exercise for, for, for five minutes. And what he found was that when he told people not to think of the white polar bear... 
Some people didn't only think of the white polar bear, they became obsessed with white polar bears. That's all they could think of. They would be having their dinner and they would be thinking of white polar bears. But this is completely normal. This is based off something called the ironic process theory. And in psychology, that basically says that if we try and suppress certain thoughts, they're more likely to surface. And I think that's really, really important, especially when it comes to your emotions and your thoughts, that if you try to suppress them and pretend that they're not there, actually what you're doing is you're giving them more momentum. And I think when people think of positive thinking, actually they're not responding and they're not practicing responses. What they're practicing is dismissing, suppressing, getting rid of. And that's why it continues and it continues. And sometimes it becomes really, really intense. So the simplest way to change your thinking, to change your emotional state, and I promise you this, this works if you really try to do it, is to just acknowledge the thought or the emotion. Because a lot of the suffering actually comes from resisting it. And that's proven by the ironic process theory. So simply by just saying, I feel this way, and you can say it out aloud. And now that you've acknowledged it, suddenly that particular emotion or that particular short thought doesn't have the same power it did over you. So in your work then as a life coach, where you're helping people to let go and to be able to focus on what they do, you must meet people that have almost been brought up in a culture where we, where we do suppress our emotions, like toxic masculinity of you don't cr- like men don't cry, that kind of messaging. So how do you help people that struggle to let go and to be able to articulate their emotions in a healthy way? I try a lot of different <laughs> methods, if I'll be completely honest with you. Now, I'm just going to be honest about my coaching. How it came about was I was on Instagram and I was sharing you know, my thoughts and ideas of the world. Um, I like to merge everything I've learned. So my experiences, I like to read. So I read, you know, spiritual texts, ancient spiritual literature, anthropology, psychology, neuroscience, whatever it is. I'm not an expert in any of these things, but I try and take what's useful, things that I understand and things that I can actually use in my own life and help other people use. And as my Instagram started growing, I kept getting requests for coaching. And I thought, flipping out, I've, I've, I've never coached anyone. But I had this childhood dream. I'm a big Man United fan, and I hope I don't get any booze. But, um, <laughs> Good company, Jags, don't worry. Um, but I had this childhood dream, right, that I would be in the changing room, and I'd be motivating all the players. And when people asked me f- to coach them, I thought of that childhood dream and I thought, you know what, I'm going to create winners here, but I don't know how to do it. And I had to be completely honest because the first person that approached me or the first client that I took on was an NBA basketball player. And I was like, look, mate, this is what it is. (laughs) Okay. I know my stuff, I think, to a certain extent, but my knowledge is here. I could always be learning. I don't have all the answers, but what I do do is I will find an answer for you. I will make sure that you excel in whatever you do. And it was so strange. You know, I didn't really have, I'll be completely honest, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was using all these tools and techniques that I had used. And within the first month, his um, average for assists and points doubled. And he's telling everyone that Vex is the real deal, that he'll sort your life out, whatever problems you have. So suddenly I was inundated with requests like, can you coach me? Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And can you help me release my trauma? And I was thinking, whoa, like, this isn't my area of expertise. So I always say to myself that I have to stay in my lane. There's some things I do know and there's some things that I don't know. And if, say, a player comes to me and he simply can't let go of something. And we've tried meditation, we've tried all kinds of things. I would recommend potentially a therapist to him and say, you know, this might help you more than I can help you because I know that I don't have all the answers. Although I'd like to have all the answers, I don't, it's not my area of expertise. But there was this one player and he couldn't meditate 
he found he really struggled to meditate. My pet talks were kind of just going over his head, like nothing seemed to be working. And for me, it kind of felt like failure. I was just like, I'm not supporting his journey in some way. Like, what, what, what should I do? So, you know, I spoke about therapy. And they went to therapy. And the problem was, a lot of players might not admit it, but all that stuff we write on social media about their performances... You know, we analyze them based off one performance and we basically say the career's gone to waste because of that one performance. They read all of that and they're human beings and that can really knock their confidence. But some of them become obsessed with it. And when they become obsessed with it, it really takes them over and you see that performance on the pitch. And there was this one player and he just wouldn't step away from social media. And I'm like oh my god what do I do and the, the, the therapy was kind of helping but then he would just find himself falling back into the same pattern because that's what the brain is is a pattern seeking machine and I thought I need to break this pattern somehow and then I remembered this study by I think it was a professor called Don D. Kaufman at the University of Iowa and he got his students to rehearse the piano in their heads without using their fingers at all and what he ended up finding was that actually, just by them imagining that they were playing the piano, their psychomotor skills improved and the neural connections within their fingers actually improved. So you can change your performance, you can enhance a skill just by imagining that particular act. And I thought, well, if that works for performance, can I get him to visualize himself going onto social media, reading the comments and just letting it go and just being okay with it. I thought, let me try this. Like, you know, this, I've got nothing to lose. So I said to him, right, every night I want you to evoke all your senses, make it as real as you can. And when you go to sleep, I want you to go through that scenario where you pick up your phone, you read the comments, but instead of the comments knocking your confidence, I want you to imagine that you read it and you think, ah, okay, cool. I don't care. I'm going to go out and prove myself on the pitch. And I want you to do that. And I want you to continue to do that until you fall asleep every single night. And after one week, his energy just changed and he just managed to let go. And I thought, wow, I've kind of just fluked this. <laughs> but, Amazing. But it's, it's worked, and it's worked based on research. Brilliant. I'm going to bring you to Norwich to talk to some of the Norwich players, if you don't mind. <laughs> um, well, I remember actually, um, you know, just recently seeing Jesse Lingard when he joined West Ham United and he was being interviewed after a game. He played a brilliant game, and the commentator said, What's changed? And he went, I've just read Vex King's book. And I was like, that. I mean, now that I know that you envisioned years ago working. <laughs> With Manchester United, it's, was that a cool moment for you? It's strange because I used to follow him since the academy days and I've actually been a massive advocate of Jesse Lingard and then he must have shared my book on Instagram and then I'm getting all these DMs saying, oh, Jesse Lingard's just shared your book. So I screenshot it, repost it, tag him and then he messages, you know, I think he likes the post and I'm like, I hope you like it, bro. And then he's just like, I love it, bro. And then that <laughs> bromance just started from, <laughs> started from that. that. Uh, listen, I think it's, it's so sort of brave of you to st sit up here and tell us the story right from the very beginning. And there will be people in this room for whom they still can't get to that point where happiness is a choice. But I think that you are a reminder to all of us that what is hard for you isn't necessarily bad for you. And we need in this life to separate fault from responsibility. And it was not your fault you lost your dad at a young age. It wasn't your fault that you were left homeless. It wasn't your fault that you were racially abused. But you managed to separate the fault from the responsibility and through it all took the responsibility. And, I, you know, I, I really wonder, Vex, whether if you hadn't had all of those difficult times, whether you'd be sitting in front of this audience today. I probably wouldn't be, if I'd be completely honest with you. And I'm not saying that that makes those things that I went through okay. But I think it just gives them purpose. It means that I can change my pain into purpose. And then I can use that as power to create a change. And that's what I've done. If I didn't go through what I, w I went through, I wouldn't be sitting here telling you these things. I wouldn't have 
gone and researched, read books. I would have just continued my life as it was, whatever that would have looked like. And I would have had a story to tell. And my story, for a lot of people, has inspired them in some sort of way. And I think that's really, really special. And if I hadn't gone through what I'd gone through, then, you know, maybe that wouldn't have been the case. Amazing. Mate, thank you so much for sitting here and sharing that with us. Thank you. Incredible. (laughs) Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, As you know, because I know you listen, we always end the High Performance Podcast with our quickfire questions. The first one is always your three non-negotiables, Vex, for a high-performance life. Okay, my, my three non-negotiable behaviours for a high-performance life. Okay, so I've just, in my mind, I've just created this random acronym because it's going to help me remember my points. So the acronym's REV, R-E-V. I suppose that kind of goes with the whole high-performance thing. But um, the R stands for respond instead of react because I think in your response... You're choosing how you want your future to look like and your reaction is based on impulse. It's based on the old old conditioning. It's based on the past. So I think you can be held captive to the past if you choose to react rather than responding. My second non-negotiable behavior, and that's the E and it stands for effort. I can always try my best. I can always give all that I have. And the V is again to always act in line with my values because that makes me feel good about every action that I take. Brilliant. If you could go back to one moment in your life, where would it be and why? I'm going to say that I would go back to my wedding day, I think. And I'm not saying this because my wife told me to say this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) During our wedding day, we had this no phones rule, which is very refreshing when you're always on social media because we wanted people to take the moment in through their senses rather than their phones. And I think that was really special. Um, but, you know, we got married in Mexico and, you know, it's full of sunshine, a lot of smiles, a lot of love in the room. But my, for me and my wife, we both don't have our fathers around. And I think... During that day, it just felt like we got to experience them. Like People always ask me about my father. I have no recollection of my father because I don't even know what he sounds like. Like A lot of people know their father's mannerisms. You know, They can recall their voice, but I don't know what my, my dad sounds like. And on that particular day, I just felt like he was there. And I think that was really special. So for that day, it was an epitome of love. And I think love is why we do everything that we do. Apart from your own, if you could recommend one book or one podcast to the people in this room right now, or the people listening to this podcast episode, what would it be? Can I recommend your book? <laughs> you can <laughs> recommend our book, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> um, one book I think is really good, especially with like, the whole thinking, is um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. I think it's really important to understand system one and system two thinking. I'm not going to give it away, but I think it's an amazing read. Is legacy important to you, Vax? Yes, but not in the same way it was before. Before, I wanted to be known for the impact that I have on the world. Now, I think right now, you know, I have a bunch of social media followers book sales there's all these metrics that people try to measure my worth in at least and none of that stuff's going to the grave with me and you know no one's going to put that on my tombstone what they're going to remember or what I'm going to remember is the memories that accumulated throughout my life and what other people are going to remember are the the memories that I left behind and I want to leave behind memories of love kindness and inspiration. And in that sense, I think legacy is important. That is a beautiful answer. And the final one, we always end the podcast with, what is your one golden rule for a high performance life? In many ways, the kind of, the final message you'd like to leave people in here with to just reverberate. I think the one key rule for a high performance life is to love yourself 
And that's going to sound wishy-washy to like explain it. My definition of self-love is that it's a balance between accepting yourself as you are and knowing you deserve better and then working towards it. Another way to reframe that is that self-love is the daily promise that you make to yourself to prioritize your well-being, your mind, body and spirit. A lot of you might be thinking, well, how do I actually embark on this journey of self-love? And I've got this acronym. I seem to love acronyms. Um, and the acronym <laughs> sounds kind of, kind of paradoxical, I suppose. But the acronym's CRAP. That's with the two A's. Okay. The, the C stands for care. And it's to just take care of yourself and your needs. The R stands for relationships. Nurture your most important relationships. Manage all your relationships implement boundaries when you need to, and also let go of the relationships that you've outgrown. The first A stands for action, which is take action on your goals, on your dreams, take action on your daily tasks and chores. The other A stands for appreciation, which is more about gratitude, and it's appreciating where you are, who you are, what you've achieved in your life, and also the people that you have in your life. And the P stands for purpose, and that's basically just living a, a meaningful life. What a brilliant way to end a fascinating conversation that I know will be full of takeaways for people in here. Um, thank you so much for giving up the time. Thank you for having me. with us. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thank you so much. thanks, King. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Damien, Jake, it's been a few weeks since we recorded that episode with Vex live on stage at the O2 Indigo in London. And I still listen to it now and I'm still reminded of things that, and actually this is quite interesting really because I came off stage that night thinking, yep, there's two or three things I must remember. And then you remember when Joe Malone came on the podcast and she said that after she was ill, she made a decision to change her life, but then those lessons slipped through her hands like grains of sand listening back to that and it's only been a couple of months it still reminds me that the things i heard from vex have slipped through my fingers like grains of sand so like what can we be doing because everyone's listening to high performance and they're vowing to live differently what what should we be doing to make sure that we think of these things we we note the things that we want to react to how do we keep them at the forefront of our thinking and not just slip into old habits what they say our old habits die hard yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant question. I think thinking ink is a really good way of starting the answer to that. I've just jot down one or two things that resonated with you. And then the next thing is think about how you can integrate them easily into uh, your life. So there's two ways of doing that. First of all is how can you make it the smallest possible change? And then secondly, how can you make it as easy as possible? So it might be something like Vex spoke, as people have just listened to about ironic processing an idea from a guy called daniel Priestley that says you get what you focus on so you cannot not think of the pink elephant was vex's example so if that's what you take away from it how can you take that and say so instead focus on what you do want and then maybe put your reminder on your phone somewhere of what it is that you do want as opposed to what you don't to combat that negative things so they're really small and really easy and therefore able to be integrated it's really good, that, mate. And what stood out for you from the from the conversation with Vex? Well, I was reminded while Vex was talking, I remember sat on the stage and um, I remember reading a book years ago by a guy called Jim Slater. And the book was called The Zulu Principle because he tells a story about how his wife became fascinated by the Zulu culture. And she went and basically immersed herself in whatever she could. And she got to a level where she was regarded as one of the world's leading experts after a couple of years of this. And I think Vex has done something similar in the world of positive psychology. He's gone and immersed himself in the papers, the literature, the research, and he's been able to then extrapolate and explain it in really accessible format. But even more powerful, he's applied it to his own life. And I think there's a lesson there for anyone listening that go and pursue your curiosity. What makes you curious? Go and pull that thread and see where it takes you because you never know the doors that open as a consequence. It's really good, that. And I've actually seen Vex talk and read bits from him over the years where he talks about your mind finds comfort in negative thinking, yeah? Yeah. 
And I think that one of the great lessons for me from that conversation is that your mind will want to do that, okay? Your mind can be a weapon of mass destruction, as Vex has termed it before. So therefore you have to take control. And I like the fact that the, the kind of message I got from him is we all want to think differently, act differently, live this great life of purpose and positivity and feel good and spread great vibes among our friends, but it won't work unless you work. Do you know what I mean? Like, it won't change unless you change. You have to be the catalyst. You have to be the driver. There's no point hearing a great conversation and going, I'm going to take that as my inspiration and then carrying on exactly the same. You have to work. You have to change. Then it will work. Then you will change. 100% that you are you are the message. There's a great story from years ago about when Gandhi was travelling through a station and somebody said to him, can I have a quick word about your message? And he said, my life is my message. My example is what is what I want people to follow. And because we're all hardwired to spot hypocrisy in others, uh, but it's about making sure that we're being aligned and consistent and authentic as people ourselves. Mm. And I, I saw a thing this week from a guy called uh, T.D. Jakes. Have you seen him? Bishop Jakes. He's like an American preacher. No. He was talking about um, sort of like pain leading to power, basically, exactly as we've just been talking about here and exactly as Vex King is a living, breathing example of. And he says that often, you know, he's this evangelical, positive preacher in America. And he said, people come up to me and they say, oh, man, I want double helpings of your positivity. And he goes, do you know what? You can have double helpings of my positivity. But if you're going to take that, you've got to be sure you can deal with double helpings of my pain. And I think we all see the great in everyone. And we want, I want that and I want that and I want that. But just remember, man, people are carrying around and holding on to great big lumps of negativity as well as big old rocks of positivity. Yep, it's like the iceberg image, isn't it? We only see what's above the surface. You don't see the depth that it goes to uh, underneath. And that goes back to that Zulu principle of go and explore, go and be curious, and you'll find out the full picture. Top man, Damien. Uh, I love talking about this. I could talk about this stuff all day, Damien, but we don't have time because it's time to invite a high-performance listener to come and talk to us on the High Performance Podcast. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation because we had a message from a lady saying that she came to the Lowry to see our live show. And we're actually going on tour again in 2023. So keep your eyes peeled for tickets. But she came to the Lowry. She watched High Performance Live and she said in her message to us, she reached out and said it was mind-blowing, life-changing, life-affirming night. My friend then asked me when my podcast was dropping, because this person had dreamt for years of doing her own podcast, but she replied and said, I don't know, I'm scared to put it out. We then watched the first half. We were loving it. And there and then I said it. That's it. I'm going to do it. My first episode has just dropped. There are 10 in the series. I'm so proud of doing something completely and utterly purpose-driven. And I'm so thankful for High Performance for inspiring me. So let's meet this wonderful High Performance listener who has altered the way she lives her life due to the podcast. Welcome, Manny. How are you? Oh, thanks, Jake. That was so nice to hear. Yeah, I'm really well. Thank you. Really well. And can I just start, please, by just saying... Don't give us any credit for this, Manny. We say this all the time, right? You are the person that has done this. It's within you. It was always there. All you needed was someone to help draw it out. I'm so pleased that that someone was the High Performance Podcast, but it was there, Manny. You had it in you, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. It is something that I've wanted to do for such a long time. And I think, you know, coming to see the show, having been an avid listener of yours and a few podcasts like yours over the years, I've just thought it, it is possible just just do it. And, you know, you talk about purpose-driven life so much, and that's really what it was about. The main thing had been bubbling for such a long time. And then during lockdown, when I, I decided, right, you've got the time, you've got the space, just retrain as a wellbeing coach, do it. Um, and then, of course, it, it just rolled from there. I thought, what, what am I going to do with it? How can it be different? And I thought, put it in a podcast, do what you've always wanted to do. Uh, and a friend of mine who... Um, is a performer, is an actor. He got one show in the the show Tina the Musical, and it was it was closed. The theatres went dark, and he just messaged me and said, "I need to do something every week." I said, "Just get on Zoom with me. We'll just check in every week." And then we just got to talking about you know performing and the voice. But then it just went everywhere, and I was like, "Oh my god, we should be recording this." And I wrote a post-it note on my wall and I said, if you do this, Matt Mills, who's my friend, who is in Tina the Musical, you're going to be my first guest. 
And then, of course, when I started just rolling with it and going, I'm going to do it, he was my first guest. And that was that. <laughs> so first of all, congratulations, Manny. I love hearing your stories. That's incredible. But tell us a little bit then around what's the name of the podcast? What's the main theme of it? And what can listeners expect from it? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's called Wellbeing with Manny in Conversation With. Um, and it's really um, a podcast that is about nourishing people's souls, making people feel valued, seen, not alone, just creating a community that feels um, like something you can resonate with. There's loads of nice little take-homes. It does have a bit more of an arts theme to it. So I have a lot of creatives come on it, performers, actors, but I also um, have a lot of mindset coaches um, and fitness and nutrition, because all of these things, as we know, go hand in hand. Um, so even people who are not within the performing industry, which is my background, are listening to it and going, oh, gosh, that really resonates with me. I can take bits from there. As, as you guys know, you know, you were always saying about your podcast not being about sport. But, you know, th there is so much for people who don't you know, maybe enjoy sports to really grab onto with, with your episodes that do feature people in that world. So, um, yeah, just each week I'm interviewing people. I always start with a, a question of what does well-being mean to you? Then we get a nice answer. And, and I genuinely don't really plan what I'm going to say. The first series has been kind of 80% people I know, just to make me feel a bit more comfortable. And then I've reached out to a couple of people I don't know. And that's gone really well, because it's been really nice to find new things about people, you know, and and so then I just pick up on questions and then I just ask them how they journey through life, what changes are they making other people can learn from. And, you know, you, you speak to the world's kind of greatest people and I just feel like everyday people have always got a story to tell. Love that. Um, Manny, the one biggest lesson you've learned from the guests that you've spoken to that you would love to share with our audience on high performance? The common theme is if you don't make time for a bit of self-care, whether that's meditation, whether that's going for a walk, whatever it is, then you, you're not productive. So making time makes you more productive. You hear people say it all the time. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time for that. But actually, five minutes a day can be enough. And you said that you feel that you're now living a purpose-led life, Manny. So would you tell us, since you feel that you've been on that path, what does it feel like for you? It just feels calmer easier again more productive for myself you know I've I'm somebody who has definitely needed to take my own advice at times and take the advice of the people I'm listening to um I know what it's like to not feel uh quite the ticket at times and for me it just the fact that I'm doing something that means something the fact that I feel like in some really small way I might be making a really small difference or a big difference I don't know to some people that gives me a, a real a real sense of, of purpose and a real um, joy, really. Manny, I love the fact that this was always within you. I love the fact that the High Performance Podcast helped to bring it out. And I really love the fact that you've shared the message to our listeners that you don't have time to not do the right thing. You don't have time to not focus on well-being. I mean, what is well-being? Well-being is being well, right? And if we don't have time to be well, then we have to find time to be unwell. So I think it's a really strong and important message. And I can't thank you enough. And I know you were saying to us before we started recording, oh, this feels surreal. I can't believe it. Right, can I just say, in all honesty, right, Manny, conversations like this are why we do this podcast. We do not care whether we have four or four million people listening. When one person tells us that their lives have been touched, changed, altered, improved, that's amazing for you to then spread it onto other people and to start sharing. It just multiplies and we're so grateful. Thank you. Well, back at you because that's how I feel now with a few people who get in touch every week. Sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it's just one person who'll text me. It means everything. And thanks for inspiring me. I love what you guys are doing. Thanks, Manny. Good luck. And I'll be listening. I'm going to listen this weekend. I'm going to do oh. my dog walk. So I'll listen to the Which episode should we go for? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely do the first one with Matt Mills. He he, he had a yeah, he's had a life changing event happen to him by the time he was thirty, and his resilience is unbelievable. What he's done, yeah. Listen to the first one, but obviously, you know, get it, follow it, Damien, won't you? You know, no, we'll yeah, listen to them all, Damien. They're Damien. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will do, but I'll start with number one then. That's yeah. a good place to start. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Manny. That was great. Oh, thank you so much. Honestly, it's been amazing. 
Just a quick reminder, if you want to watch the conversation with Vex King, you can do so. Just head to YouTube and you can find all of the high performance episodes right there. And you can get so much more from us. Listen, we have a members club. It's called the High Performance Circle. If you sense that it's within you and you want even more, then all you need to do is go to the High Performance Podcast dot com and it's all there for you um as always the biggest thing you can do for us is share this podcast so please hop on your instagram speak to your friends put it on your whatsapp messages wherever it is if you can do that we are so grateful huge thanks to you for growing and sharing the podcast among your community so please continue to spread these learnings thanks to finn from rethink audio thanks to hannah to will to eve to Gemma, for the whole team at the o2 indigo for helping us with our live episode please remember there is no secret. It is all there for you. So chase world-class basics. Don't get high on your own supply. Remain humble, curious, and empathetic. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.